You know what's true about this world? We like to celebrate flashy things. But what about courage? What about bravery? What about suffering? This is the place we give credit to what often goes unseen. This is the place we honor choosing grit. Ready? Uh, no. Hey y'all, Carrie here. Pumped to share another interview with you all today. It's been a little bit since I've shared a traditional grit interview, so thanks for your patience on that. Hope you're all staying warm, by the way. It takes so much energy to step outside and go somewhere recently, in the Midwest at least. Um, So today I am sharing a conversation with you that I had over the summer, speaking of temperatures, which I apologize, this episode is going to completely make you miss the warmth. But I'm sharing a conversation that is still definitely worth hearing that I had with my friend Brianna or Brie Mueller on her life experience with type 1 diabetes. I'll be honest, I knew diabetes called for a decent amount of insulin shots, a daily effort, and a lot of pokes and prodding. But I did not realize how extensive and demanding this disease can be until hearing this explanation of it through Bree's story. It's, to put it simply, it's a disease that takes a lot of grit, as most diseases do. Something else you'll hear brought up in our convo that has come up in past interviews and is becoming a very common theme is Bree's desire over the years that she's had to resist this diagnosis, and in many ways to fight to be normal, a normal high schooler, a normal college student, and in her words, someone who is independent and can carry this thing, this huge cross that she has totally on her own, because it's not fun to share these constant heavy burdens that we have with those we're surrounded by. But if we're lucky, as you'll hear is the case with Brie, at some point we will meet people someone, or our eyes will just be open to the people who were there already, who invest enough in who we are and prove to us that they're interested enough in our story and want to be a part of it in a way that really challenges that independent philosophy, that challenges us to start to let our guard down. And this is not an easy process, as you'll hear and as you've heard on these episodes, but it's one that's so, so necessary and also really beautiful. That's all I'm going to say, and I'm going to let you meet my friend Bree, my neighbor. And please also forgive the, again, loud noises of our neighborhood. We did this outside, and it's very authentic to what it's like to live in our city neighborhood. <laughs> Enjoy. Hey, Bree. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to my porch. Yes, oh. beautiful day out. In our on our loud street, which is <laughs> our street because we're neighbors. Yes. Now, Woo-hoo! how many blocks? Are it's like you? three blocks. Oh, that mm-hmm. close. It's okay. super close. So, so now I'm a River Wester, like for real this time. <laughs> real deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel so. I I generally like to start us off with something that shows a little bit about who you are mm-hmm. and helps us get to know you a little better. I feel like you have to tell us about your race that you and your 
now fiance, John <laughs> did this summer. Your bike was it technically a race or so it was more it was more of just a fundraiser ride. I call okay. it a race. A John never ride. calls it race. I'm competitive, but uh, yeah. So, so it was through JDRF. So it was the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. Uh-huh. Um, and um, I think two years ago, we had actually, no, not two years ago, like a year and a half ago, we had thought about signing up for it. It was originally supposed to be in La Crosse, Wisconsin, but with COVID, now they yeah. canceled it. Um, so I was kind of bummed, but then I was like, you know what, maybe we just do our own race. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just do our own, see, I'm calling it race again. <laughs> we just do our own ride. And you could pick if you wanted to do 25, 50, or 100 miles. And I chose 100 because I was like, well, it's for type 1 diabetes, and it's just for a lot of things that I care about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was with my now fiancé. So that's a lot of miles together to just, like, work things out, challenge each other, like, mm-hmm. support each other and push each other. Um, and yeah. at the end of the, the day, it was just such a beautiful ride. It was, yeah, incredible. Perfect day. We had a station set up every 20 miles when we made our own race oh. for support to be at. Then at the end, we just had a huge celebration with everyone, and it was incredible. So, That's so cool. Very so, tearful, and mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So 100 miles, and yeah. how long did you guys train? So we trained for probably five or six months, I would say, just really focusing on, like, every weekend was, like, we were dedicated to just, like, spending most yeah. of the day together for a long bike ride and just cooking together at the end of the day. And it was a lot. You know, it's, like, 76 miles and then 80 miles in a weekend and in right. a day. So we went through a lot of rainstorms and a lot of heat and bugs and all of that. So but that that is a really cool thing to do together mm-hmm. as a couple. Like, you're both working on this yeah. goal. It's like you had a mission. Yeah. Um, yep. That's actually a really great segue, which doesn't always work, but (laughs) in this case, for what we're going to keep talking about, because like you said, you were doing that for an organization you're really passionate about. Say the name again. JDRF. So it's just the acronym for Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. Because you yourself have Type 1 diabetes. Yeah. Yeah. And that is... I don't know a lot of your story, which is exciting, but I know that just in what I know about you and what John told me about your story, I know that that diagnosis and that cross, well, it's a daily thing that you mm-hmm. carry. And I know that it's it's something that asks for a lot of grit. The definition of grit is courage, resolve, and strength of character. And having an illness that is chronic definitely <laughs> calls for that. So both relate. What exactly is type one diabetes? So type one is where your pancreas completely stops functioning. It can function possibly a little bit, but for most type one diabetics, your pancreas, which is producing the insulin, which is like a medicine that your body needs when you're eating, when you're functioning, just to function, Mm -hmm. um, that you need throughout the day, your entire life. Um, and I'm not producing that anymore. Mm -hmm. So, um, with, you know, other types of diabetes, it could just be through diet, but your pancreas is still slightly working. Um, but with type one, your pancreas just like stops functioning, mm-hmm. um, which is unfortunate because then you have to go on medicine and um, really like manage every day. Mm-hmm. And is this something you've had your whole life? When did you get the diagnosis? Yeah, so I was in fourth grade. Um, so in 2009 is when I was diagnosed with it. Um, and yeah, now it's 2020. So <laughs> it's yeah. a lot of years. A lot of times you get type one when you're younger, more of like a juvenile, which is better than when you get it when you're older, um, because then you could just run into more medical problems already on top of the diagnosis. So how did what led you to 
get the diagnosis? Like what, how did you know something was wrong? Yeah, I had a lot of um, kind of interesting symptoms. Like, you know, when you live with your parents, they know everything about you. And my mom was like, Mm -hmm. okay, I was constantly going to the bathroom. Um, I was super thirsty. I was parched. Like I was always drinking something. I was just super dehydrated and always super Mm -hmm. tired. Um, And I had lost so much weight that people were wondering if I was like, had an eating disorder or something else going on that I just like wasn't eating and consuming calories. But I was polar opposite. I was eating more than other people in fourth grade would eat um, and drinking a lot. So they did blood work. um, And that's when, you know, they sat me down and um, after they drew my blood, they were like, you have type one diabetes. And, you know, I don't know what that is. My mom didn't know what that meant. Uh And um, they looked at us and they said, you need to go to the hospital now or she's going to you know, she could be in a coma. She could be a lot worse than she is. So you need to get her to the hospital now. So yeah. So then I immediately went to the hospital. And then what did that lead to in terms of Mm -hmm. starting with childhood? Like Mm -hmm. what did you have to do to maintain your health? Yeah. So my mom and I are very quick learners and we don't like to be in one place long, especially a hospital. So she learned within a few days how to give me my shots because you have Mm -hmm. to do injections um, to get that insulin that your pancreas isn't making. Right. So it was kind of just like figuring out first of all in the hospital, how do I inject a needle into my body? That's like so skinny and fragile and like has no fat on it, you know? Mm. So first of all, it was just eating a ton of food. Um, like they had to put a lot of weight on me. So I remember eating bacon and, um, (laughs) peanut butter and jelly every single day. Um, which is interesting now because I can't do that anymore, but I, when, you know, when I, I started, say, it was, yeah, yeah it was like I could just kind of do that because I needed to put the body weight on. And then it was learning how to give yourself an injection. So my mom would do that because I was way too scared to do that. And just uh-huh. the needles hurt so bad because I was so skinny. So it was just like, you know, you have to put it where there's fat and I didn't have any of that. And you also have to prick your finger. So you always have to, you're always poking your body, you know, like it just feels like you're constantly being pricked and poked. Um, mm-hmm. your fingers have to get pricked so you can see what your blood sugar readings are mm-hmm. all day. So again, when your fingers are skinny and just like, you know, you don't have much fat, like it just hurts to, yeah. to constantly mm-hmm. have to do that and to constantly have to have shots all day long. Yeah. Um, and syringes, just like things poking you, you know, and uh, I got used to it really quickly, but. So um, all of growing up, you had to do that yeah, every so day. All of growing up, um. And over the years, then I would develop a lot of scar tissue because that happens when, you know, you only have enough fat in your legs, right? So then you're using your legs every day for like 10 years. You know, I went through different kinds of needles and different size of syringes and different, like there's so much technology out there for like how to deliver this insulin, right? So there's different ways to do it. And as I started to develop into a young woman and went to college, I decided that I didn't want to poke myself every day anymore and it just got to the point where it was like okay this is so sickening um and my second year of college I finally got an insulin pump so with an insulin pump it actually delivers the insulin to you through a tube so through this tubing you actually you stick the needle in you and it um there's a sensor inside then that stays in you for about three days and then this insulin is in a tube that you fill to put in that pump so all day it's giving you that insulin. That's what my pump does. It almost looks like a pager. 
and all day it's telling you what your blood sugar is because I have a sensor hooked up to my body as well. So that wow. you poke yourself and that stays on you for about a week with the sensor. So my insulin is only going in and out when I need it to wow. based on my blood sugars because I have kind of a smart, a smart one where it figures out what your body needs. Um, so based on that, huh. whether it's a high blood sugar or a low blood sugar or it's right in between, then you might not even need the insulin. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that it just definitely sounds like it. an upgrade <laughs> until you got the pump though. All through high school, it was like multiple times a day pricking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then like poking the your fingers and yeah. Did you ever um, just not do it? I feel like I would have days where it'd be like, um, if I did, this. I would have been in the hospital. Yeah. Sure. So it's, it's interesting too, because if like you don't think about the diabetes for like a second, like things could be, you could end up with something life threatening or in the hospital if you're not taking care of yeah. yourself. You don't want to have to do that every day, right? Like you want to forget about it. But as soon as I even thought about forgetting about it or forgot to take an injection, I have a lot of consequences. That's so much mental energy yeah. too. Like I'm just thinking I don't have diabetes, but in, in the case <laughs> of chronic migraine, often if I'm like doing something I'm really passionate about yeah. or with people I really enjoy, I, I'll just forget about it, um, which is a good thing if my pain is low enough. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side, I, I have had to like train myself also to think about it. And sometimes that mental game is like more exhausting or more trying than the physical stuff. I but agree. With all of the pricking and prying and shots growing up, like did, were you able to stay fairly stable though? Um, no, my blood sugar okay. is like, we're just like the patterns, um, for being like a healthy diabetic. I was not there for a lot of years. Yeah. I just felt like I was kind of going through the motions and just being a high schooler and a college student, you like, don't want to have to manage this and school and like think about college and a career. Mm -hmm. And so for years I was just doing what doctors would tell me, right. Like, to mm -hmm. eat more carbs, to eat, um, candy and show. And I'm like, that is not. Like, it was very confusing as a young child and as a mom to be like, yes, that's what you're supposed to do. But then I was seeing so many bad trends and um, fluctuations, like ups and downs mm. in my blood sugars, which is not healthy. Like, your endocrinologist should know how to talk to you about, like, your pancreas and your diabetes. But um, for a lot of years, I didn't have good support. So then I kind of feel like I did my own research and understanding and found support. In college that it was just like okay like now i know what's going that's on that's so interesting yeah, yeah so the the you should eat more candy you should eat more carbs that was in a an attempt to like get your sh blood sugar up yeah but then right. you you realized you actually felt crappier when you yeah, did that worse i used to be able to eat that way right until i i was older growing into a woman and like all of that stuff over the time it was like holy cow like i'm really resistant to my insulin so i always have uh, been that's like a something not everyone has with diabetes but i do <laughs> uh -huh. that's another cross too is like i um i'm so resistant that i can do a ton of medicine right insulin which then can just end up storing as fat in your body um, and it's like being wasted almost. So, so it you just mean was like a domino, eating, right? If I'm eating a lot of carbs, carbs and carbs and carbs, like I'm just like storing overall this insulin that's really expensive that just kind of sits in your body. When I got the pump, I had a sensor that would tell me my blood sugar patterns. So I would eat like a sub, right? Because I, mm -hmm. um, I was on the track team in college. So for me, I needed the carbs, right? I thought I needed all these carbs to fuel wow. me. 
but I would see my trends and it was awful. And I, that's when I kind of felt awful too, mm-hmm. because with high blood sugar, when it's out of control, like, um, I feel like might be similar to chronic fatigue or migraines where you just feel completely out of it. Like you're not in your own body. If it's high, you would if feel it's that high way. Yeah. And if it's low too. So there's so like it, a medium in between that you have to uh-huh, be in. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So if you did the, the carbs on top of the pump was, it was like too mm-hmm. much for your body. Too much. Yeah. Too much. Uh-huh. And just like, you're seeing all these patterns and trends and it's not healthy. Yeah. And I knew that just because of how I was feeling. Being on the track team wasn't even healthy. Like I was so stressed. I was in stress mode all the time and that affects your blood sugar. So I think I was realizing with the trends with my pump that, okay, I need to keep track of what I'm like, if I'm stressed right now, what am I eating right now? And just kind of figuring out my own body. As you can see a graph and it almost looks like one of those, you know, like heart rate charts, you know, where it's like up, down, up, down. That's not good. Right. at all and to be a college like girl um my mom would really worry about me i actually saw a naturopath um doctor versus all these doctors who were telling me carbs or that you're healthy and you're fine um i can't even tell you how many times i've had doctors till i was like graduated from college that said i was okay and i was healthy and i looked at them and said i don't feel healthy i don't feel healthy something's wrong so even though they saw your drastic changes yes. they were, it's fine <laughs> Yes. Um, huh. Or they would say, make the adjustments. It's okay. So he told me, you know, you have a lot of food intolerances after doing tests and mm-hmm. said, because of all of those things, like, that's why you're maybe gaining weight. That's why you're inflammatory, mm-hmm. you know, like you're inflamed, like everything's mm-hmm. kind of just bubbling up almost. Um, mm-hmm. So that like didn't help because then I'm also insulin resistant um, and your hormones have a lot to do with that too. So I have, you know, I also have PCOS. Yeah. <laughs> So that's like where you have cysts on your ovaries. So that means you're already more resistant uh-huh. to your insulin. Does one cause the other? They kind of do like the PCOS, like you're already, your hormones are already off. But if your hormones are off your insulin, you can also be more resistant to your insulin, right? So I could also be higher stress, which I am. I already am mm-hmm. just a higher stress <laughs> person. So the PCOS adds more stress sure. to your hormones which then you're more resistant to the the medicine you're trying to take. So it's just like almost everything just kind of domino affected to like, mm-hmm. this is why your diabetes management is so difficult for you. And still to this day, it's so hard to like understand why this is happening to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's mm-hmm. just my cross that I'm, I'm going to have to bear and just kind of not have to bear, but that I do bear and that I'm going to somehow be able to someday say this is a blessing. Mm-hmm. And I think that I've already kind of discovered that. I want to dig more into that, but yeah. rewinding quickly to what, so once you changed your diet mm-hmm. to what it is now, so essentially you eat mostly like um, protein and vegetables now, yeah, right? Yeah, a lot of protein and veggies. Too. <laughs> Did you notice a huge difference once you started doing that? Yeah, food was my medicine and the obviously the insulin too and mm-hmm. just having the pump technology now, but especially these last like few years, I've really discovered like, no, like this is like what my body wants to eat especially right like this is what makes me feel good you said how you feel like parts of it or maybe some things you've learned have been a gift how so how do you feel like for a lot of years it was just kind of not an excuse but it was almost just like yeah i'm diabetic so i can't do this can't do that right and you have a million people telling you different things and you're young and you just want to listen to them and um as i got older i was like 
okay, like you have this forever until there's a cure. Like I'm very hopeful there will be, but I can't sit on mm. that expectation that there's going to be a cure tomorrow. I have to figure out how to, how this can be part of my life versus like right. fighting it. And I feel like- Or waiting for it to go away. Yeah. So I feel like for a lot of years, I was saying that diabetes was like taking over my world and my life. Mm. And every decision that I made revolved around- well, what's going to happen with my numbers? Huh. Because with type 1 diabetes, you're so focused on what's my blood sugar. That's a that. number. Yeah. You're focused on how much insulin am I giving myself? And I would blame myself. And now mm. now it's just looking at what can I do differently? Or what what's going on today that I didn't do last time? Or making... So you've had to really, really get to know your yourself in general. Yeah. Yes. And... Yeah. It's just, I think yeah. for me, like, it's been a blessing in a sense that I get to now understand, like why am I moody right now? Or what's going on with my blood sugars? It's forced you to address the root of Mm -hmm. a lot of things. So the philosophy is that in like letting go of this idea of your diagnosis controlling you, that'll just make you happier Mm -hmm. as a person in general. But the the hope is that with less of that stress too, your numbers will become more Mm -hmm. balanced. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy how much stress can affect your blood sugars too, you know? And you've seen that. Yeah. I've seen that. It's just so interesting how aware of like what I'm doing, what other people are doing, what I'm eating, like just how aware you are of everything. Um, And I mean, Mm. it can, it can be a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing. Right. So I used to be very fixated and anxious and stressed and frustrated but now I would say I'm le- I, I still am those things, but less. You've yeah, kind of you've let like, go of the judgmental side of it. Yes, it sounds. I'm trying to. Yeah, yeah I'm hard. trying to. Like it's it's every day. It's a battle. It's there is not a day that you aren't thinking about it, or at least you know it's just almost like you're always thinking about it, but not obsessively. I could see how, but that is kind of a blessing in disguise. So yeah. to have to, I found this too to have to really evaluate. Like, is this is this whatever it is food I eat or this thing I go do on the weekend or yeah. this career is this is this life giving for me am I mm-hmm. growing on your toughest days now either because you're feeling crummy physically or you're just sick of it how what do you what gets you through that I uh, a lot of times will talk to my family or I'll mm. talk to my fiance. Mm. Or just, like, someone that I feel like I can just, like, go to, but they're not going to, like, tell me to, like, suck it up. You know, they're going to actually support me through that literal high or literal low. Um, I used to just, like, shut down. I used to get really upset, and I still sometimes do, and I definitely take it out on my support, who I love the most, right? Mm -hmm. It's weird how we do that, but... um, it's like they're there for you and you know they're going to be. So I think you just kind of take it out on them knowing like, mm. hey, they're going to be here for me. But again, like they're people that you should be able to just go to and just be completely um, like a zero percent. I can yeah. definitely see how you would need people on your team. Still to this day, I would say I'm a lot better, but I still think I do have to do it on my own. It's interesting because it's like, Yes, I for so many years have like been the only one in my family who's type 1 diabetic, right? Like I have mm-hmm. my younger cousin who recently got diagnosed um, actually. So it's been kind of cool to like mentor him and stuff. Wow. But um, yeah, just like you almost, I feel like I'm one, one of those people who just thinks like I have to do it on my own because it is such a like burden for someone else to like carry that, you know, to be like, I'm going to put the medical bills oh, sure. or the 
the stress of my high blood sugar that shouldn't be stressful on you. So I still try and just like do it on my own and just say, Mm. I can just totally do it on my own. It's fine. But yeah, when you like break down those walls, then I think that's when you really see like change. I think really this like this past year has been really life changing. And the JDRF ride was like also like a pivotal point for me. Um, with just like the support that John always gave me, you know, I remember going like five miles in on a ride for a, an 80 mile ride, right? Like we have 80 miles to go and five miles in and I'm low. And that sucks because it just like brings you down. And then I'm like, I'm bringing him down. Like he's probably so frustrated mm-hmm. that it's five miles in and we're choosing to an 80 mile ride today, right? We just had breakfast, like all these things just, and again, that's where my mindset had to change. Um, mm-hmm. And that was this year when it really did it's not perfect but it got better um over the years because you know i have people who want to support me 100 percent, right so i have to be like okay he wants to go 100 miles with me literally like in life or in whatever it is uh, so Aww. i have to be able to just like to um tear down tear down these walls that i've yeah i think built up for a lot of years of my life and i'm realizing that like that i've just like put these walls up and said, I can do it on my own throughout college. You know, you're just, you want to be independent. And and I've had to share this cross with, with God a lot recently and just mm. understand how it is really just a blessing um, so that I can continue to see how it is actually a blessing. Um, it's hard. Sometimes it's hard for me to even say those words to describe the cross itself, the burden itself, um, because because I don't always think that's true. But we do have a promise that blessings and good fruit can be born of it, often in the way that it deepens our relationships or allows us to get to know ourselves, which you have discovered. Yeah, right. So I think it's just knowing that I'm not I'm not alone and I'm never mm-hmm. ever gonna be alone in this mm-hmm. battle because it's you know, every day you wake up and you don't know what the day is going to look like right it's it could be so good or it could be like so bad but again it's like not letting it control your life and just realizing like this is something I have to like kind of carry with me um, somehow with a lot of grace yes with a lot of grace a lot of humility and (laughs) yeah which if for what it's worth from the times I've spent with you and knowing your presence in the community like you do you definitely carry it with grace from what I've seen and um very like incredibly resilient and and beautiful to hear too how I could totally see how in in this new relationship you've had to go through more of that process yeah that hard process yeah Um, so shout out to Kuda (laughs) he's got a lot of crosses too so right thank you for sharing um thanks for having me (laughs) yeah one way that I'm ending all of the interviews this season which you, you probably touched on a lot of this already but one thing getting you through 2020. I think for me, all these like new beginnings um, have honestly really helped. Moving to a new place, moving, you know, to like the community that I've loved for so long. But now mm. I'm here, you know, I have the community with me. And um, before I was here, though, like just getting through 2020, I think a lot of it was just like praying, mm-hmm. <laughs> praying about it, um, just involving myself and surrounding myself with people that I absolutely like adore and love. Um, yeah, just people. like being around people, I think just like, um, helps bring me more spirit too. being super creative and 
All the bonfires. <laughs> all the fires, all the bike rides and walks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, outside. Thanks, Bree. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. I realize it's 2021 now, but it still applies, right? Basically an extension of 2020. Um, as always, find me on the socials under I Choose Grit. You can go to my blog, ichoosegrit.com. Go back and listen to my very first episode ever, The Story of Carrie, if you want to learn more about me, what this space is about, and be in touch. I love hearing from you guys. If you are someone who wants to further go a step further in investing in this podcast and ensure that I continue to do it, there's info in the show notes you'll see about how you can pledge to give something to ensure that I can keep doing this. Pumped to share another interview with you all. I have one that should be ready to go in two weeks. Until then, stay warm, take care of yourselves, and I'll talk to you soon. Peace.